about to listen to another wrestling podcast. Are you ready? This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here, and what a week it's been in the world of pro wrestling. A lot has happened, a lot has been been set up for the blood money pay-per-view known as Saudi Mania. Oh, I'm sorry, Super Showdown. You know how much I just hate these shows. Um, we have a lot that's actually, a lot of good that's actually happened here in uh, WWE, NXT, AEW, and we're going to try and go through as much as we can uh, with the time that I have for today. So anyway, let's just get right into things. Uh... This week's Raw started off with Randy Orton explaining his actions as to why he did what he did to Edge. Someone who he called his brother, his family, he wanted to get paid RKO back together, and he brutalized Edge. We all saw this. We all saw how what a horrific thing Randy Orton did, and the heat Randy Orton got when he came out to the ring. It was just nonstop booze. People just saying, you suck, you suck. They got, got edge chance in there. Orton tried to do his pose in the, at the top of the, you know, the, the turnbuckle, but he couldn't do it. He's stumbling to try and explain why he did what he did. He said, I guess I uh, owe everybody an explanation. And then people start doing more and more and more and more. And he said, the reason for what I did, and he just he just kept stumbling. And he couldn't bring himself as to explain why he did what he did. He just said... At the end, he just, he just said, I can't do this, and dropped the mic and left. Now, this was very reminiscent to me of the Roman Reigns promo uh, the night after WrestleMania 33 after he defeated The Undertaker, where it was just boos, and every time Roman tried to pick up the mic, people just can't ch- uh, boo more and more, saying, you suck, you suck, with Roman ending it with the, this is my yard now, drops the mic and leaves which was the greatest heel promo of Roman Reigns' career, and they never turned him heel. But anyway, this was very reminiscent of that. Only we really still didn't get the explanation as to why Randy Orton did what he did, and we still didn't... Um, we still don't know. And, and you know what? As a fan, I'm clamoring for more. I want to know why Edge did what he did. It's It could be a thing of, oh, WWE doesn't know what they're doing, so they have no explanation for Orton. Whereas for me, I think this is actually a great way to keep the fans wanting more and to build to Edge and Randy Orton's eventual match, which for should for sure happen at WrestleMania. Um, I thought this segment was very well done, and Orton just knows how to get the best heel heat. He is a guy who, whether you love Randy Orton or you hate Randy Orton, he's one of the best out there, and he's a guy who knows how to get heat when he's a heel. He knows how to get heat, and when he's invested in something, he really thrives and does a phenomenal job in doing it. And we've seen it before. We've seen where Randy is into a feud, and he's really giving it his all, and then we see how Randy's kind of not so into a feud. He's like, eh, whatever. Um... But I think this is going to be really great leading up to Edge and Randy Orton's eventual match at WrestleMania. Uh, and I, I said last week that I think Edge is the uh, Edge's first opponent back for like a big money match. The first guy is for sure, definitely Randy Orton. I think that's the perfect choice for him. 
Uh, going through another uh, quick points on Raw, Drew McIntyre had squashed Mojo Raleigh. Um, as much as I love Drew, this didn't really need to happen so much for Mojo because apparently he had uh, has Riddick Moss as his linebacker, so to speak, or whatever the hell that means. Um, Alistair Black had squashed Eric Young. Um, it worries me because I'm just not sure if WWE know what they want to do with Alistair Black. I don't know if they want to, you know, build him up and beat a bunch of like lower guys and build up. But I, I feel like they're kind of stumbling as to what to do with Alistair Black. But um, I'm hoping they it can lead to something big for Alistair Black at WrestleMania. I'm seeing things like. Um, Potentially Aleister Black versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Because I think we're definitely not going to get CM Punk versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. There's no way that's going to happen. But if you gave Seth Rollins Aleister Black at WrestleMania, and if Aleister Black beat Seth Rollins, then Aleister Black is being put at closer to the top of the card, beating, I mean, arguably the top heel on Raw... He's the top full-time heel on Raw in Seth Rollins. And that'd be a match I'd really love to see, Black versus Rollins. I just think those two would, would, would uh, gel really well together. Their styles are uh, similar but different to a certain degree. But uh, but I, I think those guys would be really well work really well together at WrestleMania, and I'm seeing a lot of like fan uh, art or just saying like you know Black versus Rollins, Black versus Rollins. I've been seeing that a lot lately on social media, and I think that would be a really great match between the two, just me personally. Um, and also the note that uh, Seth Rollins' tag team partner in Buddy Murphy. Whoops, I'm sorry. No more Buddy. He's just Murphy. For the love of God, I will never understand why Vince McMahon wants to just take names away from wrestlers when they've had it for so long. We've seen this before, like in cases where it works, with Rusev was formerly Alexander Rusev. Cesaro was formerly Antonio Cesaro. And we've seen it before uh, where he's done it and he's given it back. Where he said Apollo Crews was just Apollo. And then he got back Apollo Crews. But to do this to a guy who's in like your new big faction on Raw. He's he's a guy who you're definitely trying to build. Or at least Paul Heyman is trying to build and Buddy Murphy. And you take away his name. His first name. Just Murphy. I don't know. It just I, I, I never I've never been a fan of WWE just... Changing names for the sake of changing names and just in the middle of it all. I just, I've never been a fan of that. Never. Like I said, certain cases it works. Rusev, Cesaro, Charlotte going to Charlotte Flair. But I I just, for Buddy Murphy, it really needed to stay. For me, he really should have stayed as Buddy Murphy. He shouldn't have gone to just, just Murphy. Who knows? Maybe next week Vince will be like, what? I didn't do that. Change it back to Buddy Murphy, damn it. I don't know. Um... But we had a no a new debut on Monday Night Raw. Angel Garza debuts on Raw with Zelina Vega as his manager. And Angel Garza tries to attack his real life cousin, Humberto Carrillo, saying that he is the better of the two. He's the one that makes the family proud. Uh, recently just losing the NXT uh, Cruiserweight Championship to Jordan Devlin at the World's Collide pay-per-view. Um and he wants tries to attack Humberto Carrillo and hit the hammerlock DDT onto him on the exposed uh, uh, exposed concrete, but Rey Mysterio makes a save, and these two have a match, really fun match, and I'm I'm glad that they kind of did this with the whole Andrade thing because Andrade is going to be suspended for a while, and we're not going to see him for a bit. Uh, I'm glad they're not taking the U.S. title off of him. I don't think there was any specifics um, as to why he was suspended or. Um, or actually, I think there was a thing where apparently Andrade couldn't make uh, a, t- a test or something, and he got he couldn't re- wherever the testing was. They needed him to fly somewhere. I don't think he could have made it, so they automatically suspended him. I think that's a rule. I don't know. WWE's wellness policy is just is just ridiculous and messed up. You know, I mean, you have guys like Lesnar who's you know who was on roids for a long time. Uh, don't know if, I mean, he probably still is. I mean, you know, he got significantly smaller when he tried to get back in the USADA testing pool for UFC. Um, but now, uh, I don't know. They'll say with, with uh, like, you know, what's your policy with guys like Brock Lesnar, and then they say, oh, we don't test part-timers. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, but anyway, 
I like that this could potentially be, lead to, I don't know, another faction or at least an alliance between uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. I'm sorry, Angel Garza and Andrade. Because you also have four guys of Mexican descent who are all fantastic in the ring. Andrade, Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo, and Rey Mysterio. Angel Garza I've been a fan of recently since NXT's kind of gone to main w, uh, to UFC and on the on main television programming. And he's been fantastic. Where as NXT, they kind of built him as this uh, kind of like tweener guy, as this um, not really heel, not really baby face. But um, he was getting really big reactions from the crowd. Whereas on Raw, he's a complete heel. He is a complete heel. And I like this a lot. I'm glad that Angel Garza is getting a bit of a push, and I'm glad that they kind of they did this in place of the whole um, Andrade suspension because I can see a big match like a Fatal Four Way or something happening potentially at WrestleMania between Andrade, Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo, Rey Mysterio. I said last week I believe that I would have loved to see like a ladder match, you know, between uh, Andrade, Humberto, Rey, Ricochet, Alistair Black, and maybe Buddy Murphy, but, uh, I wouldn't be against the Fatal 4-Way. I think these four guys would work really, really well together, and I could see a potential tag team, maybe between Andrade and Angel Garza. Let's say, let's say, um, Humberto is the one to win the U.S. title at WrestleMania, and then Andrade and Angel just kind of, like, go off and become a tag team, you know? That'd be really cool. And then maybe eventually setting up an actual feud between Andrade and, uh, Angel Garza. Um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, Zelina Vega is his manager because Angel Garza can talk on his own. Angel Garza is really, really good on the mic, but, um, but we'll see. Anyway, I'm, I'm really liking this and, um, just see how things go on from here. The next big thing that happened on Monday Night Raw was, uh, Charlotte Flair coming out and saying who she was going to face at WrestleMania. Uh, she says she's beaten, she's beaten Becky and she's beaten, uh, she's beaten Bailey. Uh, she just isn't sure and then Rhea Ripley comes out to say you know Charlotte you may have beaten them but you've never beaten me in fact I've beaten you so Rhea Ripley is pretty much laying out the challenge you want to fight at Mania let's fight at Mania Charlotte doesn't really say anything and then kind of moseys on to the back and doesn't and leaves um We'll get more into the whole Charlotte Rhea Ripley thing in a little bit when we cover kind of a little bit more in NXT, but um, give more of my opinion there. We'll just kind of brush over it for now. Um, Asuka, had a ma- Asuka had a match with uh, Natalia, and she challenged Becky Lynch. And Becky came out with, you know, those meme sunglasses, little smoke on them on the side? Yeah, Becky's wearing those now. Um, I'm really not sure what to make of this. Um, on the one side, it some people are saying it, it's funny and it's kind of cool. Others are kind of saying it's more cringy. As much as I love Becky, it's more on the cringy side for me. I, I just I don't think she should be wearing these glass sunglasses. I don't know. Um, I just see. Um, I just don't understand why. Um, Sh- Shayna Baszler needs to come up to Raw. She needs to come up to Raw, and she needs to start this program with Becky Lynch already because I feel like some of the things that Becky is doing, it could be hurting her rather than helping her. I mean, what I think can... I I think this is going to lead to uh, uh, Shayna coming out and then kind of knocking Becky down a peg to realize, you know, you know... You're not for Shane to say you're not the best. You're not the man. You think you could, you're the man? Beat me. Just try and step in the ring with me. So I think Shayna needs to come up to Raw sooner rather than later. She's done what she can at NXT, and honestly, this program between Lynch and Baszler needs to start like right now because Becky's run through everybody on the Raw roster, uh, and and so to speak, the SmackDown roster too. So she need Shayna Baszler needs to come up right now because um, I don't know what Becky's doing, what, what what the creative is having her do. I don't know could be hurting her rather than helping her. I don't know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I love Becky Lynch. She's one of my favorite wrestlers right now, and she has been for a, uh, a long time. But she really needs to, this this program with Baszler needs to happen asap. Um. The main event of the show was a triple threat match between Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and Ricochet. Sorry. Um, 
This is a fun match. Uh, Ricochet, uh, well, sorry, Ricochet. Uh, Rollins, like you know, his 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 henchmen, his faction, the AOP, and Murphy are trying to get involved. Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders got involved, which they had a really great elimination uh, six man tag match earlier in the night, where there was uh, Owens and the Viking Raiders versus uh, AOP and um, Buddy Murphy, where Kevin Owens looked like a f- Really great underdog fighting babyface, and that's where Kevin Owens really shines. Um, wish I could talk more about it, but I really can't. The one thing I can say is that there was something great on Twitter I saw where uh, someone had a Kevin Owens sign. It was upside down. Kevin Owens saw it, and he's like, he's tilting his his hands. He's like, turn it, and then they <laughs> they turn the sign. Um, but all I know is that Kevin Owens looked fantastic in that match, and the crowd was chanting for him. And um, again, I hope there's big plans for Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Who knows? Um, this match was fun back and forth. You really didn't know who was going to win this one, honestly. Um, we all didn't want to see Rollins versus Lesnar again. Uh, Lashley versus Lesnar is um, is is a great idea. Only thing is, I just don't like how Bobby Lashley's being portrayed with the whole Lana thing. Um, and then... You know, if he was built more of as a tough guy, MMA guy, then maybe I'd be more interested. But we have Ricochet as the winner of the match, and he will be facing Brock Lesnar. Um, Les after the match, Lesnar came and attacked Ricochet, and Ricochet versus Brock Lesnar is a match that I said I would have done at the Royal Rumble, but um, it would have been a three week build. It would have been not much of anything. I'm glad that they're giving Ricochet this 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 big match. He's not going to win. We all know he's not going to win. As much as I love Ricochet, but this is a dream match for me, for Ricochet, to have. Because we all know Brock Lesnar works very, very well with the smaller guys. We've seen it with Finn Balor. We've seen it with Daniel Bryan. We've seen it with AJ Styles. Uh, and I, I guess CM Punk, so to speak. He's had really great matches with those guys. And I can totally see Ricochet doing like a shooting star press and Lesnar catches him into an F5 for the finish. That would be really amazing. Um, and this is just a match that I'm just excited to see the match. I'm not I'm not going to think Ricochet is going to win the WWE Championship of Brock Lesnar because at Mania, Ricochet versus Drew McIntyre doesn't necessarily scream main event to me. Um, and as much as Lesnar is a part-timer and I don't like part-timers with the belts, Lesnar is a star to... Uh, for, for sure, because he brings intrigue, he brings uh, casual fans to watch uh, just, uh, for big money shows, and WrestleMania is the biggest show of the year. Um, but I'm glad Ricochet is getting this uh, this spot in such a huge, huge way, uh, and a huge rub facing a guy like Lesnar. As long as they can have Ricochet look really good in the match with Lesnar, that's the most important thing, because my biggest worry, because it is a Saudi uh, Saudi show, that they might just job out Ricochet. And I really hope that's not the case. I really hope that's not the case. And out of all the matches that's happening at this this pay-per-view coming up, I really hope that this is really well. And it's probably the only one I will actually watch because I've said it before. I may do predictions for the Saudi Arabia shows, but I don't watch them. I don't I cannot stomach to watch them. I just can't. It's disgusting to me. But um But I'm excited for Ricochet versus Lesnar. I gotta admit. I I, I am excited for Ricochet versus Lesnar. Um one other thing that happened on Monday Night Raw real quickly is that uh, Liv Morgan was having a match with Lana, and Ruby Riot came out to try and help her, but then Ruby Riot turned heel on Liv Morgan. Um, I like this a lot. Uh, I've always been a fan of Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. I think their story could, if they gave it time, they could it could be really well done. But knowing the WWE and how things are probably not going to be well. I don't know. I hope it is. I really do. Uh, but let's just be thankful, everybody, because let's think about something for a second. The Lana Rusev, uh, Bobby Lashley, Liv Morgan storyline is over. It's finally over. Thank the Lord it's over because Liv Morgan is now doing this thing with Ruby Riot. Uh, Lana is, you know, doing her thing with Bobby Lashley, and Rusev wasn't on TV this week. So the story is over. Thank the Lord. Thank God. Oh, those are some of those painful things I've had to watch in my time as a wrestling fan. Anyway, moving on. Uh, moving on to NXT. NXT started with the Broserweights, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. 
with the Broserweight Mobile, a golf cart with the Dusty Tag Team Classic trophy on it. Uh, the Undisputed Era had come out and just pretty much saying that they are going to wipe the floor with uh, Bobby Fish and, I'm sorry, with uh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. And uh, Pete Dunne had a great line of the night saying, how much fish could Bobby Fish fish if Bobby Fish could fish fish? Which I hope that's a chance to take over Portland. I really do. Um, I am excited for that match. And uh, it seems like the card for Portland's been uh, set up. And uh, Portland is next week. So I'm going to try and do the predictions for it next week. Cover that more. Um... I'm excited for that tag team match, but I still think this is leading for a thing of Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne to have a singles match at some point. I don't know if it'll... I'd have to imagine there's a heel turn somewhere. I'd probably say it would be Pete Dunne, because I like Pete Dunne as a babyface, but Pete Dunne as a heel is just so great. Um, But then again, I'd really like to see Matt Riddle as a heel. uh, in that feud. I don't know. Or maybe you don't need to have one of them be heel or one of them be babyface. Um, but I still think we haven't had a match really between Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle in a singles match. And I think that'll be the big takeover match we get at uh, TakeOver uh, Tampa Bay. Because uh, I don't see them winning the tag titles at all. I don't see them beating the Undisputed Era. Um, the next big thing that happened on the show was a segment between Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. Um, this was a nice little back and forth. They're kind of in two separate rooms, kind of like via satellite things, but uh, they're they're talking to each other. I think this was more or less a thing of just them trying to get some really great sound bites to put up for their video package for the for the pay per view. Um, you know, Johnny Gargano saying things like, you know, I don't want the Finn Balor who was on Raw and SmackDown losing to Bobby Lashley for eighteen weeks streak, eighteen weeks streak. I want this Finn Balor and the fire in Balor's eyes. I want the NXT Finn Balor. I want to beat that Finn Balor. Um, Gar- uh, Balor says that you know he's not just going to give them the he's going he's here to have the match of his life, the last match of his life. Gargano saying that he waves the NXT flag high and proud. He's going to stick the flagpole right in Finn Balor's heart, and he doesn't miss. Johnny leaves, and Balor goes, Johnny, I don't have a heart. Um, this match, I I may be looking forward to this match the most coming in Portland. Um. Gargano and Balor, two guys who are been labeled as the face of NXT of both of their time there. Um, Balor, who was the guy in NXT for a long time where people thought, when is he going to come up? When is he going to come up? And he had some of the most memorable matches in NXT history with uh, a ladder match against Kevin Owens at TakeOver Brooklyn 1, which Sean and I were there for. Uh, he beat Kevin Owens for the NXT Championship in Japan. Uh, great series of matches with Samoa Joe, matches with Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, he uh, was all over the place. You know, uh, Balor, now back in NXT, more of the kind of the Prince Devitt-esque character. Hence, you know, he's calling himself the Prince uh, and Gargano arguably being the greatest NXT superstar of all time with the however many straight TakeOver main events he's been in and matches he's had in Action of the Year candidates against Tommaso Ciampa and Andrade, Aleister Black, um, you know, being in DIY, great matches with Ciampa and Gargano versus the revival for the Tag Team Championships against Ricochet. The list goes on and on about the amazing matches that Johnny Gargano has had. And now you have the two guys of who is the real face of NXT. It's Gargano, it's Balor, and this is the most excited I've been about Finn Balor has done in anything in such a long time. The main roster, Finn Balor, I just couldn't really sink my teeth into something like this, but this, this is great, and, and you can tell Finn Balor is really enjoying himself. Like, but behind that 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 whole, you know, babyface smile he had on Raw and SmackDown, it was at the same time just like, oh, man, you really wish he was doing something more. I mean, yeah, he was the first ever Universal Champion. He won the Intercontinental Championship twice, and he beat Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania for it. But you know what? I was at that WrestleMania. I don't remember Finn Balor winning the Intercontinental Championship. I don't. And it's not a credit to, you know, the company, uh, to Balor or Lashley or anything. It's a matter of the booking and everything. But Balor is legitimately one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I think that he and Gargano will have a show-stealing match at Portland. Just one of many matches I'm looking so forward to at this pay-per-view. And uh, next, what happened was, is that we had 
we had Bianca Belair come out to the ring to talk down about Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, and here comes Charlotte Flair back to Full Sail University, back to NXT. And Charlotte runs down Bianca Belair, saying she has a lot of respect for him, for her, but they're pretty much kind of, you know, stand off to the side. This is between her and Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley comes down and says, Charlotte, I may have come down to your house, but I did not disrespect your roster. Don't disrespect my roster, my division. Don't do that here. She had said that, um, you know, one thing's for sure. Bianca and I are going to tear the house down and tear each other apart at NXT TakeOver Portland. But remember one thing. We are NXT. Charlotte Flair kind of pushed Bianca Belair to the side and said, Bianca, this is between champions, so why don't you just stand over in the corner and fix your little braid? A lot of great one-liners from this, but at the end of the segment, it was Belair and Ripley who, uh, who teamed up together to take down Charlotte Flair. We still don't have an answer as to whether or not Charlotte Flair is going to be facing Rhea Ripley or not, but it's most likely she will be. But they're trying to put some doubt into that. Who is she going to face? Rhea Ripley? Or is she going to face Bianca Belair? We don't know. I really don't want a triple threat. I would much rather prefer Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair because I said, how amazing would it be if Rhea Ripley went to WrestleMania, beat Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania with the biggest career biggest win of her entire career in a singles match at WrestleMania against Charlotte Flair solidifying that Rhea Ripley is the woman of the WWE or she is she is the future and she is the one who's going to take the the women's division to new heights and I think she will I've said before that I think she's going to be a bigger star than Becky Lynch bigger star than so many of these other women who have come uh come before her and I truly truly believe that because I'm a huge fan of Rhea Ripley and I have been for a while. She is fantastic. She's got a great look. She's different. She's unique. And that's something you need in wrestling nowadays. And another thing is that the, the NXT women's roster is the best women's roster in the entire WWE. Go ahead. Argue with me. Tell me about another women's division in all of wrestling that's better than the NXT women's division. You can't. You can't tell me. You know, it's as a whole, that division feels so important. Like I said, each woman feels important and feels believable that they could be NXT Women's Champion. And the big thing that happened at NXT in the end was that the Velveteen Dream returned. The main event of the show was Tommaso Ciampa and the Broserweights versus Adam Cole. And I believe it was, excuse me, it was Fish and O'Reilly. And he came down and he attacked the Undisputed Era. The Dream is back, looking better than ever. And it's, I'm glad that, uh, that Velveteen Dream returned to NXT. A lot of, you know, there were rumors speculating that he possibly could have gone to the main roster after his injury. But uh, I'm glad he's back. I miss Velveteen Dream. And there was something missing about NXT. You forget that Velveteen Dream really hasn't been on NXT while it's been on USA. Here and there. But now... El Velveteen Dream is back. We can see him every week on NXT. Uh, it's maybe a little late for him to have a match at NXT TakeOver Portland, but I'm glad uh, Velveteen Dream's back. You know, maybe setting up a feud between him and Roderick Strong. Maybe um, potentially a feud between him and Adam Cole. I don't know, but I like that Velveteen Dream is back, and I'm a big fan of the Dream, as so many of you are. So, Velveteen Dream, welcome back. Uh, NXT this week was really, really well done. Uh, I'm sorry I can't get through everything that happened with NXT. Uh, I'm trying to go through everything as much as I can. I don't want to make this a three-hour-long podcast. It's bad enough that Raw is three hours itself. So, now on to SmackDown this week. Uh, just going to cover some points that I just really loved about SmackDown. There's really only two things that I really, really enjoyed about it. And for one is that the dirt sheet is back. For those of you who uh, watched the WWE in the early, mid-2000s with the WWE.com exclusive show of the Dirt Sheet with The Miz and John Morrison, they brought it back. They had this very funny little clip of them doing a parody of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it was really well done. 
The Miz and Morrison just work so well together, and they're one of my favorite tag teams growing up as kids. Um... I'm glad that they put Morrison back together with The Miz. Uh, they're going to be getting a SmackDown Tag Team Championship match at Saudi Arabia and um, against The New Day. And this whole segment was just so much fun. You know, Miz and Morrison just working so well together. The New Day coming out, just kind of like, wow, what a great trailer, E. Wasn't that just a great trailer? Yeah, Kofi's going. And also, they both have buckets of popcorn in their hands. Big E goes into Kofi's bucket and grabs it and... There's a microphone inside, which I heard some like like noises in there. I'm like, what the hell is that coming from? Where's that? There's a mic somewhere, and then it's the microphone inside Kofi's bucket of popcorn. Um, and Biggie's going, yeah, that was so great, Kofi, so great. It wasn't it great when Nelly got out his credit card and be like, yo, yo. Kofi's like, yo, E, what are you watching? That wasn't in the trailer. What are you watching? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm watching BET Uncut. Man, I told you to stop watching BET Uncut. <laughs> Kofi's saying that the Miz's dad is his favorite WWE superstar. Um, in the trailer, they showed Lance Storm in there that Miz is better than what he is. Miz is supposed to be like the Leo DiCaprio, and Morrison's supposed to be the the uh, Brad Pitt. If you've ever seen it once upon a time in Hollywood, that's kind of what they're supposed to portray. Uh, you know, um, Miz getting mad because he messed up the lines. Like I'm the Miz, and I'm uh line, and he's shows him in the locker room. He's like, awesome. It's always uh summer. Awesome, always. You messed up. I'm just, um, Miz and Morrison's dirt sheet was always very funny. I was always such a big fan of it, and I'm just glad that they're back together. Um, at first I was like thinking, wow, John Morrison's going to be the Miz. But you know what? I think this is good because you really need really well established tag teams in the WWE, and Morrison and Miz tagged together for a long time. They are greatest singles guys, don't get me wrong, but. I think they really need to be in a tag team, and the tag team division in the WWE really needs to feel more important. And you got them, you got the New Day, you got the Usos coming back. Um, I think Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler are still a tag team. I don't know why they're still a tag team, but I don't know. Um, uh, it appears that the feud between Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin is not ending, even though Reigns had a complete victory over Baron Corbin. Uh, just... Doesn't seem like it's ending, um, but it, I, I believe that the Usos and... I don't know. I, I just can't stand this Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns, dude. Anyway, moving on uh, to the big thing that happened this week on SmackDown and that Bill Goldberg has returned. He didn't return on SmackDown. He returned via satellite. But that's kind of the carny, carny nature of wrestling is that, well, we said he was going to be on SmackDown, but... We didn't say he'd be in the arena. That, that, that kind of took away from it. But anyway, Bill Goldberg seemed to be in his garage, in the garage of his house, and said that, wondering who's next, and he's challenging the Fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship because he never got a rematch for it. And then all of a sudden, Bray Wyatt comes in, Firefly House, uh, Firefly Funhouse, Bray Wyatt comes in and interrupts and says, "We interrupt this breaking news because Bill Goldberg has challenged the Fiend." And we're going to go live to Mercy the Buzzard for the weather. And Mercy, what do you got out there? And it seems like he's in hell and it's freezing. And Mercy the Buzzard goes, it's going to be a cold day in hell before the Fiend lose his uni- loses his Universal Championship. Uh, Bray Wyatt is being very funny here. Uh, I just wrote down, uh, I have some notes here, and I said that Bray Wyatt is the absolute best ca- uh, character wrestler in the WWE and is so goddamn funny. Uh, and quite frankly, probably the best character wrestler in all of professional wrestling at the moment. Um, says, and we have Bill Goldberg live here. Billy, L- William, are you there? Bill, 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 are you there? And then, and then Bill's like, "All right, Bray, cut the crap. This is exactly why I'm going after you. I'm going to take back the Universal Championship at Super Showdown, and at Super Showdown, you're next." He leaves. Bray Wyatt's like, Whew. "Well, there was Billy Goldberg there for you, but you know what? I guess." Just have to let me in. And the Fiend shows up and, and flashes with his Universal Championship. And um, I am, um, one, I'm a little worried about this. Because, one, it's Saudi Arabia. They love to please the fans with old-time guys, part-time guys, guys who should be retired in these big matches, these big matches. And... um. A part of me is worried that 
Goldberg will squash him. Part of me is a little worried. But at the same time, um, it would be a huge win for The Fiend if he beat Bill Goldberg. But also, Bill Goldberg and Bray Wyatt should not have a long match. Uh, Goldberg in general should not be having a long match. Look, if this was The Undertaker against Bray Wyatt, or if it was The Undertaker against Drew McIntyre, or Finn Balor, or, or whoever, I'd say Taker is still able to work with younger guys to a certain degree. He's a guy that at one point would carry matches and can still go to a certain degree, but Bill Goldberg was never a guy to call a match. He was never a guy to, you know, oh, let's do this. And do that. It was never that. Bill Goldberg's thing was, you know, Come in, big squash matches, big spots, uh, spear, jackhammer, one, two, three. That was Goldberg's thing, and there's nothing wrong with that if you have a formula that works. But Bill Goldberg wasn't that kind of wrestler. He wasn't that kind of guy who would be like, all right, you know, shoot me off into the ropes and hit me with a clothesline. He wasn't that kind of wrestler. So my thing is that this match needs to go maybe five minutes, ten minutes max, get some moves in there, Goldberg should just hit a bunch of spears and a bunch of jackhammers, and The Fiend should just no-sell it. Then The Fiend hits a Sister Abigail and Mandible Claw, beats Bill Goldberg. That's your main event. That's the winner. Bray Wyatt wins. He come, He is still the Universal Champion, and that gives a huge win for The Fiend. So there are positives and there are negatives to this whole thing. I'm just very worried that the WWE will go with the very negative option. But please, love of God, don't put the Universal title back on Bill Goldberg. Please. And The Fiend should not lose to Goldberg. That's the biggest worry I have. Um, now we're going to move on to AEW with the rest of the uh, show moving on. Um, AEW this week, we had we had a big eight-man tag match with uh, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega of the Elite. Well, sorry. Kenny Omega... The Young Bucks of the Elite and Hangman Page, but Omega and Hangman being the tag team champions, there was a uh, at one point they were they had the match against uh, Butcher's Blade, uh, Pentagon Phoenix, Pentagon and Phoenix of the Lucha Brothers, an eight man tag match, and there was a triple con Hilo, I think that's what the the move is called, where they kind of like jump over the top rope, but they I don't know, but anyway they all kind of do a big high spot flying move, and Hangman Page kind of just standing there on the ropes, not even being bothered. Even in the entrance, he wasn't even really doing anything. He was just coming down to the ring for the match. Um, the big story here is that, you know, Hangman Page is trying to remove himself from the Elite, but every time he tries, they keep bringing him back in with and booking him into these situations. And Hangman Page, also on the side, has been drinking a lot. In fact, the week prior, he was holding a beer and hit a buckshot lariat onto... I don't remember who it was he hit it onto, but had one of the Bucks hold his beer, comes in, buckshot lariat, grabs the beer, finishes it, and then walks off. Um, so... In the match, I believe it was Hangman Page who cost the team the uh, the victory, and the backstage segment and uh, Matt and Nick go uh, Matt and Nick the Young Bucks go over to Hangman Page and goes like, you know what the hell's wrong with you, man? What is your problem? You cost us the match out there. You know what? Here's your problem. One of them grabs the beer and says, "This, this is your problem," and run and walks off. Hangman Page kind of just shrugs his shoulders. Kind of reaches down, grabs a pitcher, and starts drinking the beer um, from the pitcher. Um, this is for sure going to be leading to an eventual heel turn for Hangman Page. And um, I've said that I'm very interested in where this story is going with Hangman Page. And he has some character going on. He has some things going on right now that I'm very interested in. And I think Hangman Page could potentially he could potentially be a top heel in AEW. Uh, I mean, but this is for sure leading to a heel turn. I think it's going to lead to an eventual match between uh, Omega and uh, Hangman Page. Maybe at Revolution. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're ha- they're defending the tag team titles at the pay-per-view in a few weeks. But uh, right now, if I had to bet, I would say that this is going to definitely lead to a match between Omega and uh, Hangman Page at, uh, <clears throat> at uh, Revolution. Other things that happened in the show is that uh, after that big A-man tag match, uh, Pac was, um, he called out Kenny Omega and said he would hurt Riho, um, but actually didn't say he would hurt Riho, but Omega says, fine, you got the match, and then they will have a 30-minute Iron Man match made for next week, but uh, Pac saying that he wouldn't lay a finger on, you know, 
I wouldn't lay a finger on Riho, but she will. And then Nyla Rose attacks Riho. Uh, and a match has been made for the women's championship between Riho and Nyla Rose. Um, I really hope that they don't give the title to Nyla Rose. I know Nyla Rose is there all the time, but I've said the woman who needs to be an AEW Women's Champion is Britt Baker. AEW Women's Champion, Women's Championship should go to Britt Baker. And I like Riho, but she's lost a lot of steam for me. She's lost a lot of steam for me, and she needs to lose the title. She needs to. There, there's no if you can't capitalize on this. That's the biggest problem. I went, I went on a whole thing last week of how much I think the AEW Women's Division needs to improve. And I think the thing they need to do is put the title on Britt Baker, and there, that's that. Um, earlier in the show, uh, John Moxley had a match with Ortiz, and just like how the Inner Circle uh, tried to blind John Moxley, Moxley tried to blind Ortiz, um, and the Inner Circle were pissed. Chris Jericho said, "How could John Moxley do such a horrible thing to someone like Ortiz? How could he?" horribly try to stab him in the eye and blind him. Only despicable, deplorable human being could do something like that. And which is kind of funny because the inner circle did the same thing. Jericho did the same thing to John Moxley. Um and next week we'll be having uh John Moxley versus Santana, which he probably will undoubtedly do the same thing to uh Santana as he did to Ortiz this week. Um I think that the one match in particular, I'm very much looking forward to the Moxley-Chris Jericho match at um, Revolution. Um, I'm not really sure who's going to win that one. Um, you could argue that Chris Jericho could ne- probably needs to hold on to the title a little longer. But at the same time, do you kind of do you want to you know lose the momentum of John Moxley and how hot he is right now? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, personally, I'd love to see Moxley as AEW or, uh, AEW champion. But uh, Chris Jericho still is very entertaining with the championship. He's still very entertaining as Le Champion. And um, I don't know if it's time for him to lose it just yet. Um, but Revolution is starting to pick up. Uh, is really uh, looking to be a really great show. I just I saw the AEW announce that they're coming back for Las Vegas for Double or Nothing. And um, AEW, as much as they had success in Las Vegas, they've had success in Chicago as far as big pay-per-views, but they really need to try and venture out into other markets. Um, I am going to AEW in Newark with uh, Sean, our friend Stiggy, and uh, my buddy Nate, and I, I know he listens to this from time to time, so how you doing, bud? Shout out to you. Um I know that we're going to that show in Newark. I know apparently there's rumor and innuendo that WWE tried to stop that from happening because I believe there's a Monday Night Raw happening in the Barclays Center that Monday. I believe that's the go home sh- go home week before Mania. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but or or the week prior to Mania. I don't know. So I know they they went to Chicago for All Out. They went to Chicago for All In, which is kind of the precursor where it all started. They're going back to Chicago for Revolution, uh, and they're going back to Las Vegas for Double or Nothing. I had predicted that Double or Nothing would happen at Madison Square Garden, but I guess it's not happening yet. Um, one thing for sure that needs to happen is that AEW, you really need to go to other markets for these pay-per-views. I can't remember where Full Gear was. I want to say it was in... Um, was it Baltimore? I don't remember. But so far... In your company's history, you're having your biggest pay-per-view, I guess your Mania pay-per-view in the Double or Nothing, back-to-back years in uh, in Las Vegas. You went to All Out in Chicago. You're now going back to Chicago at Revolution. You need to venture out into other places. I mean, I know Vegas was successful. I know Chicago was successful. But you need to venture out into other markets in the world, you know? I know... WWE's trying to stop the whole New York thing, but, you know, Boston is a pretty good wrestling town. You know, you could try going to Philadelphia for a pay-per-view, you know? Uh, Philadelphia being the uh, one of the biggest wrestling markets in the world. You know, maybe go down to Texas. I, I, I don't know. Maybe go down to Atlanta, Georgia, something. But I really think they need to try and explore different places for pay-per-views. And um, so far, we've kind of seen more or less the same thing in Chicago and Las Vegas. Uh, that's my opinion. I think AEW needs to venture out into different locations as far as pay-per-views goes. Um, I know you know what works works, but you can't keep going there all the time. Fans are going to get frustrated. Um, to kind of close the show, I'm going to talk about the main event segment of AEW. And actually, 
real quickly, there's a really funny story. Um, apparently, Chris Jericho had revealed on his uh, podcast that um, he was talking to... He had told Vince McMahon about that he was going to sign with AEW. And Vince goes, okay, go for it. But then after he signed it, a few months later, he goes, so wait, did you sign that contract? He's like, uh, yeah. Can you get out of it? <laughs> and Vince was willing to throw all this money at Jericho just so he could get Jericho back, which has been Vince's MO lately. Just throw all this money at all these wrestlers just so they don't go to AEW. Yeah, not a good idea. I think that's funny. Like Vince is, Vince is kind of bluffing. Like, yeah, go ahead, sign the contract, Jericho. And then, wait, you signed it? Wait, can you get out of it? <laughs> can you come back for Raw next week? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I just really had to share that. But anyway, the final segment of AEW this week had Cody Rhodes fulfilling one of the conditions that MJF has placed in order for him to have a match. Actually, the second condition for Cody Rhodes to have a match with MJF at Revolution. And I have to say, there isn't a person alive, a wrestler alive today, who loves professional wrestling more than Cody Rhodes. If you watch this, just the damage Cody took, he had to take 10 lashes from MJF. He, the redness and the welts on the on his back, on his neck. He took a hard, hard uh, shot to the chest. There isn't a person who loves wrestling more than Cody Rhodes. This guy was willing to give his body and was willing to take this punishment just for pro wrestling. In the story of this, of this between, and right now I think the story-wise, what I'm most emotionally invested in is Cody Rhodes versus MJF. And you know what? Say what you want about Cody Rhodes. Say what you want about the fact that he may not be as a uh, as a high uh, the high as a caliber wrestler like a Kenny Omega or an AJ Styles or guys like that. But you know what? Cody Rhodes is one of the best damn storytelling wrestlers in the world, and he's proven it time and time again. He's proven it. This segment shows that Cody Rhodes loves nothing more than professional wrestling and he will do anything to further a story, to further whatever is going on, to to make things better for pro wrestling. You really felt for Cody in this segment. You really felt the pain he was going through and everything he was doing. And he he was so pissed. He wanted to punch MJF, but he couldn't. MJF is just... Laying his cheek out there. Go ahead, Cody. Do it. Do it. You get no match. Do it. And every time he kept whipping him and whipping him, he tried to stay. He, MJF just yelled at Cody to stay down, bitch. Stay down. Quit, Cody. Just quit. You know, and a lot of like heels were coming out to, to jeer at Cody. You had uh, Kip Sabian and Sammy Guevara, the Butcher and the Blade, Alley, a lot of guys. But then a lot of baby faces were coming out. You know, Arn Anderson was coming out and saying, you know, you know, come on, you can do this, you can do this. Dustin Dustin came out and said, all right, no more, that's enough. Stop, give the rest to me, give the rest to me. And MJF's like, oh, you want to take the rest? Well, that's not how this works. He takes the rest, otherwise there's no match. They're cheering him on, come on, Cody, you can do this, you can do this. And then the Young Bucks come down. Cody's damn near in tears. He's taking so much damage. They're cheering him on. And then finally, uh, Finally, Brandy comes out, and she could see the emotion in her face. And says, "Cody, Cody, it's me. If I could take this for you, I would. If I could take this for you, I would. But it's got to be you. It's got to be you. You can do this. You can do this." And I think at this point, Wardlow had gotten the one lash on him. Wardlow hit a big shot to the chest or something. And my God, C- Cody Rhodes just took so much damage, and. Watching this, it really made me feel for him. And it really, really made me hate MJF. It really made me hate him. It made me want Cody to kick his ass at Revolution and just to beat him. For Cody Rhodes to beat MJF. And that's what I wanted so badly. And when wrestling can do that for me, again, when I can suspend my disbelief and I can be like, in the be in the moment and be like, this son of a bitch, MJF. I want Cody to kick his ass. Like, like when I can think about that in my head when I'm watching, knowing what I know about wrestling now, you know, knowing it's a work, knowing you know this and that, and just 
the behind the scenes kind of things as most fans do nowadays. But when I can kind of take myself back and think about, feel like I was like maybe as a kid again, just really despise a heel. It really, really makes me appreciate wrestling more as a fan. And Cody took one last shot of the lashes. And right before he was done, MJF kicks Cody in the balls and him and Wardlow just run out of there. Crowd, he's getting so much heat from the crowd and apparently a quote-unquote fan tried to attack MJF before the broadcast ended. Uh, I don't know too much about that, but I saw some some guy attack try, tried to attack MJF, but it could have been a plant. I don't know. Most likely was a plant. But um, but honestly, this makes me so excited for the eventual match between Cody and MJF. But what I would do personally, and I know I just said, you know how much I hate, uh, like it made me in that moment just hate MJF and despise him, made me want Cody to defeat him at the pay-per-view. I would have MJF beat Cody at Revolution. And I would have him win the AEW Championship. And then maybe at All Out or at a pay-per-view next year, whatever the case may be, have Cody finally beat MJF for the title. Because that's where I think this story should lead. I think it should lead to uh, uh, months and months later, you know, where MJF wins the championship and Cody eventually beats MJF for the championship. The guy who cost him the AEW championship in the first place, he beats him. And he finally gets that moment. He finally gets this huge moment that he wanted. He just wanted... just Cody, behind the scenes, I think doesn't want to put the title on himself. But I think as long as the story fits, he will be champion someday. He will have the championship on him. I truly think that. Because... You look at the reactions he gets every week. You can't deny how popular Cody Rhodes is. Whether you like the guy, whether you hate the guy, Cody Rhodes loves wrestling. He loves wrestling, and he wants nothing more than to make it better. Anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm, and wherever you find our podcast formats, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, honestly. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we got a lot of coming up this week. NXT TakeOver Portland is next Sunday. We're doing predictions for that. Uh, AEW Revolution is coming up soon at the end of this month. Um, the Blood Money pay-per-view known as Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Mania. I'm sorry, Super Showdown, whatever the hell they want to call it these days. That'll be coming up. I'll eventually do my predictions for that. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you all had a great week. I hope you enjoy what uh, wrestling brings for us uh, in this coming week. Uh, thank you again so much for listening. Uh, I've been CJ Palmasano, and I'll see you next time.